Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am Mitch Michaels, and this is a sports podcast designed to entertain and enlighten you. Thanks for joining me, as always, on another show. Great one today. Talking with my buddy Joe Crisali, giving him a, a chat. He's up in Seattle. We have a lot to talk about the sports world with March Madness reaching the Sweet 16. An unprecedented, hard to believe, unprecedented, upset-filled March Madness. We break that down. We, re- we revisit our NHL picks and predictions from the beginning of the season with Connor McDavid lighting the league on fire. The Sabres are really, really bad, and a lot of teams are still fighting for their playoff lives with a lot to be decided. We talk a little NFL free agency as well as MLB spring training, which is just about to wrap up as we get started for the baseball season as well. It's Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, back on the Money Mitch Effect, we're uh, in between weekends in the March Madness Tournament, NFL for Agency, hockey's booming, Joe Crisali's here after a couple months, and Joe, thanks for rejoining the show, a lot to catch up on. Uh, I think uh, we're both being kind of stretched thin, but uh, it's always fun when there's just so much, so much on TV and so much to talk about. Yeah, it's it's a lot to think about, especially during busy work season, so um, we both share in each other's exhaustion. We do. I didn't even mention uh, we got baseball coming up in uh, about a week or so too. So it's it's getting it's getting big. It's getting slammed. I guess we should stay topical right off the jump. Um, did you catch the March Madness that the first two weekends or the first two rounds that I guess set a couple of different records? I saw it was like the most upsets that have officially happened with uh, seeds and point spreads. The underdogs just collectively doing a great job, and the fact that somehow still. Vegas just cleaned house against uh, the the general stupid public that just thought they were going to win money against Vegas. So did you catch it, and what were your impressions of some of the basketball? I mean, March Madness is always exciting. Not having it last year was – you realize how much you miss it. But, Mm. I mean, are we really that surprised with upsets at this point? I think, yeah, you're you're right on that. I mean, they happen all the time. It's mm -hmm. it's just like – it's it's more fun to see teams like Ohio, you know, just beating these bigger conference schools. It is weird, though, that we have this tournament and we don't see UNC, we don't see Duke, we don't have a lot of the usual suspects. But, I mean, it's been fun to watch, for sure. I, I think that's minus, part uh, of U, it. Minus the way UConn played in the first round, that was pretty awful. So well, At least Maryland, you know, kept it going, right? Like, they proved it was. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that's part of it. I think upsets do happen every year. Um, you know, a 15 seed Oral Roberts making the making the uh, Sweet 16. You know, that's only happened one other time with that Florida Gulf Coast team. So there are examples of um, you know maybe this was a little bit more on the upset trend, but not much. But I think part of it, Joe, is what you said. We're used to having upsets, but also having some of that old guard in the tournament. And without North Carolina, without um, you know, without Duke, without Kentucky, really the only thing that, that looks familiar for March Madness of the past is Syracuse and that ugly 2-3 zone that college kids still can't figure out how to beat. Oh, it's so brutal. But when I was filling out my bracket, I just was like, ah, you can't really pick against them, especially in the tournament. That's how I felt about UConn, too, but that did not get me very far. But I think Syracuse being underdogs, I, I don't think they're going to go all the way, obviously. Oh. But, I mean, they're definitely making some noise down there as, a, as an 11 seed. 
Yeah. We saw those those playing games too. I mean, UCLA looked like a really good team, um, and they made it through. But I don't know. I, I don't know who's beating Gonzaga this year. We covered them over here, and they're just solid. Baylor. Yeah. If we get a if we get a Gonzaga Baylor final, that would be pretty sweet. Baylor's really good. Gonzaga Baylor. I mean, it just makes too much sense. Like with March Madness, it probably won't happen. You know, like it just it seems like yeah. it should, so it won't. Uh, Syracuse just wanted to talk about them for a team that uh, you know always goes on runs. It's it's that zone, and I bet you if you talk to Jim Beheim in private, he'd probably say, "Look, he's got twenty Sweet Sixteens now." He probably doesn't even like like just basketball wise the two three zone, but he realizes it gives them the best chance to win. So he yeah. realizes as long as he doesn't run into another Big East team, no one really, especially this year, no one no one really sees it. No one knows how to play. Uh, or how to break through uh, in the only game that they get to play against them. Uh, so many different interesting storylines. Loyola Chicago, Sister Jean back, still alive at 101 yep. years old. And they I just think handled they're the, Illinois. They're going to yep. be the team. They're going to be the team to watch, I think. Uh, yep. But Syracuse, I mean, getting Houston is not a bad draw for them. They could they could win that game, too, and head head on. So Yeah, Houston hasn't really played anybody this year. You know, Houston hasn't played anybody really this year. Props to them for rallying against Rutgers, which, by the way, settle this for me, Joe. If you're going to lose in March Madness, I know UConn lost and you know Ohio State lost and all these teams that we like or other fans like. I would much rather lose how Maryland lost to Alabama, just get obliterated, I think the worst way to lose is how Rutgers lost. Winning the whole game, better team the whole game, and then what, like basically like an 11-0 run or something like that to end it. It's got to be the worst yeah. way to lose. I mean, that's what makes it exciting, though, that the teams are never really out of it. Every time I watch a basketball game with Maddie, if somebody's down, if a team is down by like 9 or 8 or whatever, she's like, they just need three threes and they're good. Like, and then, and, and college basketball, shots. that could happen. In 10 seconds. There's the foul shooting aspect of it. All, a lot of teams just can't shoot free throws one and one, and suddenly there's a chance for you know a team to get back into the game. Uh, I'm intrigued by Loyola Chicago, who who handled Illinois. It wasn't it was an upset, but they they beat them down. Uh, Loyola versus Oregon State, who Joe I think is you know every year there's a team that wins their conference tournament and then is the buzzsaw team, and that's Oregon State because they handled Tennessee and Oklahoma State, a five and a four seed. And they, I mean, that, that's why that Loyola game, I think, might be the underrated game of the next round because whoever wins that is going to keep that momentum going against Syracuse or Houston. Uh, two other teams I just wanted to mention that I don't think get enough credit. What Alabama's done, I mean, a football school for sure. Obviously, that's a no-brainer. But what they've done, what Oates has done down there, and really it started with uh, kind of calling out Coach K for wanting to cancel the season because they were doing bad. He's yeah. transformed the culture. Same with Musselman in Arkansas, another SEC school that's not really that wasn't really known for basketball. Hadn't been in the Sweet Sixteen in twenty plus years. Those two teams are, are leading teams that could absolutely go to the Final Four this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you're looking at this bracket here, or the Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-12 yeah. is what like just on a tear with the, all the teams they got in it. It's interesting up here listening to people talk about. They're like, I really would not expect the Pac-12 team to be in the Sweet 16 or any farther based on how the conference played as a whole throughout the year. But I will say about Alabama, they are two seed. And every time I do a bracket, I always tell myself never pick a popular two seed because I got burned pretty bad. I can't remember the year it was, but it was when Missouri was a really popular pick and Ooh. they lost in the first round. Oh, that North was Oak 2012. State. I do remember that yeah. vividly. 
yeah so i don't yeah so ever since then i have not picked the two seed to win and every time uh, a two seed loses that's a popular pick like in the in the uh, bracket challenges that i'm in with with some people i always text them and i say i told you not to pick a popular two seed they're always going to lose like you can always just write that in but like I said, I, I, I like the way UCLA came into the tournament. They got some really good players on that team. Um, I know Alabama absolutely handled Maryland, but I don't think that those two teams are very comparable. So I guess UConn losing in that first round maybe wasn't too bad. No. But it was hard it was hard because when you saw the draw when I saw the draw um, in their little section of the bracket, I was like, Wow, that's not too bad. I feel like maybe they had a chance there, but they just played some pretty bad basketball. And it really sucks on the other end of it to see Syracuse doing doing well because it just <laughs> rips me apart from the inside. USC handling Kansas was the most impressive win of the tournament, I think. And they get Oregon in a Pac twelve basically, you know, Pac twelve affair for the Sweet Sixteen. So it's gonna be fun. Uh, a lot of different possibilities. I do think Gonzaga is the team to beat and um I think a Final Four that features Gonzaga, let's say Baylor. I know this isn't the official picks because a lot of brackets are busted. I'll say Bama gets there. And in the Chaos region, give me Oregon State. Let's let's have a 12 seed there. Let's have yeah. three top teams and just one, which could be Loyola too. I mean, I think, I think that's I think where I'm leaning. I think it's going to be – I have Loyola. I have okay. Loyola in my actual bracket. So I'm thinking wow, – look at you. I'm sticking with that. I'm going Loyola's coming out of there. And then we're looking at Baylor. Baylor, I really, I mean, I don't, I don't think Arkansas or Oral Roberts is going to beat Baylor. But how dope would it be to see a one versus a fifteen in the Elite Eight? That would be sweet. If Oral, just to see Oral <laughs> Roberts up against Baylor would be awesome. I like. I don't. I don't. I mean, Alabama. We could see a two seed go to the. Elite I don't eight, want so Michigan, they, man. Anybody but Michigan. That's basically where I'm at <laughs> at this point. Yeah, for real. I but I like UCLA. Like I gotta see what that line is. I might have to jump on that one. Okay. But okay. Uh, and then Zaga for you, sure, right? You don't think Zaga for else, sure yeah. coming out of there. Uh I I didn't I did really did not expect USC to make it this far. I, I don't even think I had them beating the playing team, Drake, yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. <laughs> shows you how wrong you can be. UCLA had to battle to beat Michigan State and look at them. So, th- so they're in the Sweet 16. There's a lot of good matchups. Gonzaga, the overwhelming favorite. But March Madness, we missed it. I think that's what yeah. kind of made it made it even more special. Uh, Joe Crisali here on the Money Mitch Effect. Before we get to NFL free agency, got to talk hockey. Got to revisit some of our best and worst uh, predictions <laughs> at the start of the season because there's a lot going on. And um, here's one thing. I think we should start on a positive vibe because, you know, we're pretty positive guys. Um, Connor McDavid's still the best player in the NHL, so we got that right. <laughs> and dry Seidel, they're <laughs> one and two again. And no one's within 16 points of Connor McDavid. Dry has got 50. McDavid's got 60. McDavid now uh, actually is uh, still tied for the league in goals with Austin Matthews at 21. I like Austin Matthews a lot. It's going to be really fun to see him eventually take the mantle from Patrick Kane as the best American player in the league. It's, it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen very shortly. Uh, that said, I thought Matthews at a time, Joe, could have some MVP buzz with how he's playing and how the Leafs have been playing, but it's McDavid's year. I think we all realize that, and uh, I feel foolish for even having that thought. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's always fun to not pick the favorite every time, so no one can blame you for picking Matthews there. But yeah, McDavid, it's, it goes without saying. He's the star. 
He's the best. <laughs> he's the best in the league. I am shocked at how well Patrick Kane is playing this year, though, and how the Blackhawks have kind of – they're not in it, but, like, well, they definitely seem a little bit better than they, they were last year. I passed up on Patrick Kane in mm. my fantasy draft <laughs> because I was like, I don't know about – Who'd you take over him? Who'd you take over uh, him? Who did I take in the first round? Let me check this out. Oh, this I, is going to oh, be Oh, I took uh, Pedersen. I took Pedersen. Oh, oh God. I like yeah, Pedersen, he's too, hurt. but – yeah, he got injured. Well, I will tell you, on the comeback there, I took Mitch Marner, so that's, that's it's good. really not too bad. Yeah, the thing with Edmonton is that Toronto actually owned them in a lot of their head-to-head matchups early. Uh, Toronto jumped out to that big league in, lead in the division, and for them to fall back to earth a little bit, it's not too alarming, especially with how seating works. But Edmonton catching them, and uh, you know, essentially they're, they're tied now each with 42 points. Edmonton's played two more games. But, Joe, I'm shocked that Edmonton is – finally put it together as great can we, as Mc- yeah can we just relish in that for a well, minute like Edmonton finally is I'm gonna give decent. props yeah I want to give props to one player in particular and it's not you know who you think I'm gonna give it to it's not somebody that uh has been really one of the guys we just named but Nurse is that defenseman that's finally giving them something uh, on both ends of the ice and I think Darnell Nurse is gonna get paid because what he's done recently is the guy that I think's kind of been you know giving them another layer they've always had McDavid they've had him and Dreisaitl the last couple of years, but you had some solid goaltending. Uh, you had some depth in scoring, and now Nurse has 10 goals in 25 games on the blue line. I mean, that's that's next level for them. Yeah, for real. I mean, they're the number one goal-scoring team and assist team in the league, so definitely change the way they've been playing back there. I was also expecting them to make a trade and maybe push uh, pull Jarvi off and maybe try to get some more assets. That remains to be seen. But I like, I mean, any, anybody that has McDavid and Dreisaitl like that back-to-back on there, they, they have a shot. But seeing them finally be able to put it together, it's kind of nice because there's how many years have we gone back and just been trashing on the Oilers because they've been destroying their first overall picks for however many years that they've just been given them. So Right. And, and if, yeah. it's funny that the new uh, rules just came out that they're not going to screw a team like Detroit again. They're only going to do a lottery for the first two picks. So if you pick for, if you are the worst team in the league, you can't be worse than third. <laughs> Detroit went from yeah. first to fourth <laughs> last year. So yeah. uh, I think that's going to be – the Oilers – the moral of that story is the Oilers affected how drafts will be done for the rest of eternity with getting all those <laughs> yeah, picks. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, guys. Um but no, Toronto, Edmonton at the top. We both kind of had them penciled in for the playoffs. I think we were both wrong on Winnipeg. They've played, you know, very well this season. We wrote them off, off for sure. We wrote them off definitely. And uh, they have a lot of. It's almost like a ragtag of misfits because they have a lot of what I would call Joe, and I don't mean this disrespectful, but they have a lot of second line talent across the board. They don't, you know, even yeah. with Dubois there for line A, they haven't really, you know, that's almost been a net wash across the board of mediocre production. But they've got good. They've got good play from lines one through four, and they're they're a well sounded, well rounded team. Defend well. Winnipeg, we were wrong on. I was gonna if we would have done this last month, I would have said Montreal. We were dead wrong on, but they fired their coach and they're kind of you know in that bubble. That last couple spots for the playoffs, Joe, and I, I think Winnipeg is going to be good enough to to get a spot, but they're not a lock for sure. You've got Montreal. You've got Vancouver, who is seven two and one in their last ten. They were terrible. When we started this year, and we were both texting, hey, how that's stupid your, we that's were. That's your champion. Right <laughs> I know. There. Still time. They're going to have time. to go on some hell of a run to, to 
Make that happen. Hey, this North Division is like its own little world, so all you have to do is get into the playoffs, and one of these Canadian teams will be in the Final Four. So uh, I, yeah. I'll say this. I trust them more than Calgary, another team that's fired their coach like Montreal. Daryl Sutter came back, which is just hilarious. They got him literally off the farm in Canada to uh, coach <laughs> the team. But I think Calgary's yeah. got some weaknesses. I don't I don't really trust their depth. I don't think their goaltending's been good enough. And uh, I would say Vancouver can and will, I'll predict, get that fourth spot for Montreal. But I don't know how you see it. Yeah, I I see that happening. Like you just said, they fired their coach. Vancouver's turning it around a little bit. Pedersen's been out. So, I mean, they're missing him. I know JT Miller had a, had a little injury rift there for a week or so, too. So they haven't been healthy all year. And... I, I think that they'll be able to put it together. They're a young, very young team. Brock Boser has been awesome this year. I think he's top five or six uh, goal scorers uh, in the league. So I think they'll figure it out. I don't know about winning the Stanley Cup, but no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> making that, that the playoffs, making the playoffs could be in the cards for them. Just based off of, can you try? I mean, we were pretty low on Winnipeg at the beginning of the year. Can you trust them? Like you said, it's a bunch of second line talent yeah they're playing out of their minds right now but will they be able to sustain that you know they're they're not really players that are known to do that so we'll, we'll see what happens with them I don't I think Montreal like you said probably would fall out of there I don't see Calgary making a push and Ottawa I mean forget about it so well it's funny too because Vancouver's goal differential is minus 16 which is just brutal for where they are but they're on a hot streak so they started off terrible and they're digging themselves out of the cellar um, the West Division Joe we actually like a lot of people pretty much had this right with the exception being and I'll give you credit you were a lot higher on Minnesota and that's proven to be true uh, but the Blues the Avalanche and Vegas I mean those are going to be the teams it looks like Arizona and the Kings Arizona would be more disappointing because they made the playoffs last year. I actually think the Kings are uh, a, a far ahead of track than I thought they'd be. They've got a nice little nucleus of players, and they're they're doing better than most people expected. But the story of this division, from a shocker standpoint, is Minnesota. And it's the fact that Kaprizov is absolutely disgusting and one of my favorite players Ooh. to watch. Oh, my God. he! Some of the things he does are just absurd. But... I really want to attribute their success to their rookie goalie, Kapo Kakinen. He has been awesome. Also picked him up in fantasy, so he's been rocking it for me. Um, you also look at Zuccarello. you got to give him some serious credit. Oh, I know he this was out is coming. Beginning of the year, he came back. He's got 20 points in 19 he's games. He's probably your I favorite mean, non-ranger right now, right? Yeah, he, yeah, I loved him when he was on the Rangers. I never wanted them to let him go, but just seeing him be successful and being such a key part of the the wild success right now is really cool. Every time Especially this, with all the injuries we've had the last couple of years. This team just gets finished goalies like crazy. They just step right in and they're fine and it's just, you know, that that country is amazing. We need to do a documentary on we need to just go to Finland and make a movie on why yeah. you breed so many ridiculous goalies. Because there's yeah. a story there. It's ridiculous. Um Vegas looks good. I mean they've Vegas is a well-rounded team, and I and I think they're a, a trendy cup pick for a lot of reasons. The Blues have been battling injuries as much as anyone in the league. I still think they're dangerous, but I don't know that they have the top-end talent to come out of this gauntlet if their seeding's bad. Colorado is maybe the biggest uh, enigma, so to speak, because there are days you watch them, and they look like the best team in the league. McKinnon just got his 200th goal last night. Rotten great. Kadri's had a career year, and Kale McCarr is just disgusting, but... 
On the flip side, there's games like last night where they just blow it against Arizona and don't put together three full periods and, and leave something left. And I would say from experience, Joe, that's not a good sign for a team that you have aspirations for maybe getting going all the way, that they have trouble keeping the switch turned on. Yeah, but I feel like that's kind of been the story with them with this roster the last couple of years, right? I mean, they always have these lofty expectations for the most part because when you have one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league, and McKinnon on your team, that's kind of what you expect. But uh, And then you have that young talent, like you said, with McCarr, who's got to be one of the best defensemen in the league. So when you put those guys up, uh, you, you expect them to play well when you like every single game, but it hasn't been happening for them. I think what's the, what the problem is is they're not really as deep as they were before and the players that were stepping up for them before like uh graves had i think he was number one last year yeah in plus minus he had 40 plus minus last year this year he's only at six and he hasn't had as good of a year so they the guys that they were looking to the last last year or even the last couple of years to kind of step up for them when to kind of balance that out when the, the team is playing well not playing well they're they're just not cutting it for him this year you know what i mean I do. I do. I, I just think that you've got to be more consistent if you want to win the Stanley Cup because we see it in the playoffs with this team every year, right? You can even go back to McKinnon's rookie year when they got upset uh, early when they won the division. I mean, last year, Game 7, Dallas, OT, they lose that game. And I know it's overtime and anything can happen, but we keep seeing it with this team that something might not be clicking. Uh, more hockey talk here with Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, I want to talk about briefly, I think the division that's maybe the most um, to par, so to speak, would be that central division, Joe. And the Panthers are the surprise in that division. There's no question about it, how good that they've played. Uh, that said, Tampa Bay on cruise control, doing just fine. Best team in the league, yeah. ho-hum. Carolina looks really good, which I think we were both pretty high on them going into this season, too. You have Florida yep. as the outlier, so it basically... With Chicago kind of falling out of the picture, I'll be I'll be brief. I think Dallas is going to make a move. I think Columbus has a chance. I actually think Chicago is, uh, I would say, pretty. I'm pretty confident they won't make the playoffs. They're starting to fall back to earth. I think Columbus and Dallas are going to be fighting for that last spot. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of what you hope for, right, <laughs> as a Columbus fan? It's just I, Dallas I think, has been very – do you think Dallas has been the most disappointing story so far this season? And I'm asking that for a team that actually has expectations, not a team like in the next division we're going to get to. Like Dallas was in the cup final last year. I don't think so. I mean, if you look at how their year has gone, they don't have their top guy. They don't have Sagan. They don't have Bishop and goal. Like they, they just don't have it. And the guys that are stepping up for them, Pavelski – like he didn't have he didn't do much last year so they're kind of depending on people that weren't necessarily their go-tos last year to really step up for them this year and Ben hasn't done much when Rupi Hint is your third highest points getter with under 20 it's just not a good it's not a good look and they haven't been getting great goaltending um I mean Ottinger has been great for the most part when he's been getting in there for them but I've streamed him a few times <laughs> but mm-hmm. um I wouldn't say that they're the most disappointing. You know who the most disappointing is for me this year so far. But. Oh, well, that, <laughs> come on. I mean, that's not <laughs> – you really thought uh, – I'm going to save that one. Let, let's stick with Dallas right now. The COVID slow start to the season really did torpedo them, and I still think there's time. They have four games in, hands in, their, in hand. 
on most of these teams, and they're trying to make up uh, make up ground. I just don't think Chicago is going to keep it together three six and one in their last ten. And Kane is playing amazing, some of the best hockey ever. They've done they've done very well in close games. I think uh, that might be a, a sign there. Uh, Florida just want to give uh, love to one of the most underappreciated players in the league, Barkov. He's he's really good. He impacts the game so well. And uh, they are playing Joel Quinville's style of hockey. They're not the Blackhawks of the Stanley Cup era because, I mean, that was a generational yeah. team. But they play a very similar way, and it's hard to defend what they're doing, especially offensively. Yeah, I mean, Barkov, another great fantasy pick by me. Um, that was good. You're making I, up for I, that I, bad I first round. Hey, hey, Pedersen is not a bad pick. I was at the back end, too. That's true, I, but it's I, Patty I, Kane. Like, yeah, still. Yeah, it was not smart on my on my end, but whatever. We move we move forward. <laughs> I don't like I but like like you were talking about. I don't think Chicago stays in it. I think your Blue Jackets pop up in there. They've been get, they've been playing well. I mean, All right, wow. Can I give my riff on them right now? I uh, yeah. I really respect the culture that's been built in Columbus. Um, you know the the accountability, the structure, the the the, the guys really buy into each other and and are committed to, to being a solid team regardless of who's in the lineup. I am so sick of Tortorella's juvenile BS at times. Like, it's really pissing me off. And I know this always happens. Welcome. I know this Welcome. always happens. I'm in the support <laughs> group now with the Rangers and the Canucks and the Lightning. But, you know, look. <laughs> it gets look, tired. It gets it, it, it's tired, tiresome. And, and there's a real good chance. Like, I'd say 50-50 at best that he's back next year because his contract's up. They're not going to make a move. They're fighting for the playoffs. There's a lot left, but it it grows old. It grows old in that locker room. And I understand, like we agreed, a lot of people across the league, you know, across the league even agreed that you got to bench Dubois for the effort on that one shift where he got benched. I'm with you there. But for him benching line A games where he's scoring goals and doing all this stuff, it's like at the end of the day, these are professionals. They're not, you know, this isn't, Stuff like in midget hockey where it would really irk everybody involved as is. I mean, he's pulling the most juvenile, childish games at times, and I'm just not a fan of it. And, you know, if this season does go south, they're, they're no lock by any means to, to make the playoffs. But if they miss, I really don't think he's coming back next year. I could see that. I, I know that New York got pretty tired of him. So, and it was kind of like a goodbye. <laughs> yeah. See you next like. See you Never. next time. <laughs> yeah. um, but looking at looking at the, this Blue Jackets roster, kind of like what we were talking about, with I see a lot of comparisons with them and the Jets, where you know it's kind of a bunch of second liners that are supposed to be playing well. And honestly, Yorkstrand being their top point getter, also a great fantasy pick by me at the end of the draft. Man, I was crushing it. But Seth Jones has not been the Seth Jones that we saw last year. This yeah, year. I so, mean, offensively, yeah. he's he hasn't been there. Defensively, he really doesn't. I mean, he is really, really good. But I see what you're saying, and and it's more noticeable on a team that doesn't have top end guys. They kind of rely on Rowenski and Seth Jones to step up more. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is it's not a pretty hockey team. Uh, they're going to try to win ugly. They're doing the goaltending rotations, and they've blown a lot of third period leads. I mean, they've actually. You know they should they should be a lot better than they are as as disappointing as it's been. That said, uh, you know Nashville, Detroit, no one, you know even Chicago. Like I said, I'm more worried about Dallas. Um, all right, all right, East Division. 
Let, let's hear what you want to say first about your Rangers because I know this is going to happen. I <laughs> I can't believe that a team that's you know four points out of the playoffs right now uh, has played a bunch more games in Boston, but still, it is not mathematically you know it, it's not looking like it's dark like turn out the lights. But I can't yeah. <laughs> believe you think that they're your most disappointing team in the league. But you do apparently. I I don't I uh, obviously I overreact when it comes to my own team, but. They just, I was expecting a lot more out of them this year. I mean, Zibanejad was a, has been a shell of himself. He's turned it on the last couple of games. I think he had a hat trick. He, he's just, you don't, I don't know what's going on with that guy. And Lafreniere, I was expecting more out of him, but he's kind of doing exactly what Kapokako did. They kind of bring players along slowly. It's not like they're just going to come in and torch the league like you kind of expect the number one or number two overall pick would do. So that's me just getting overzealous with the top pick. Chesterkin got hurt. Georgiev has not been great, so they've been leaning a lot on Keith Kincaid, which has mm. been kind of surprising. But yeah, he's got to stop playing the puck, which you saw in that one Flyers game, not yeah. the 9 one, but he, you know, he, he's got to stop playing the puck. Um, the Rangers posted this save that he made. I'm like, he had to make that crazy save because he put himself <laughs> in that position. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Wasn't I, that I great. I did see that. Uh, yeah, just your Lafreniere point is good because at a certain level, you start to wonder – if it keeps happening, is there something wrong with player development in New York? Because yeah, we've seen this with top picks. Or, or I mean, dare I say, because you see how good Stitzel looks in Ottawa, they might be not making the right picks. And if that's the case, I don't know which is better. None of them, none of it's good. But you know, you do have to wonder when young guys you know, keep failing to get you know assimilated into the system. I think season's I mean, been about what I thought it would be. I didn't think you guys would make the playoffs, but you'd be in the mix. I think uh, a team like Philly is way, way more underachieving, and that's because Carter Hart does not look good. Does not look good. He is like a replacement-level goalie this year. He had – he had, I told you he had some lofty, lofty expectations going into the year, and he only had that one season under his belt or whatever. Yeah, no, he's got two. But I think that they put way too much pressure on him as a young goalie to kind of push forward for them. They got rid of uh, the guy they had last year. Um, mixing in with them, but seeing them not in it is not it does not bother me in the slightest. I'm actually more shocked at how Washington has played because they were kind of one of the teams that we were talking about at the beginning of the year that weren't totally sure how it was going to pan out for them. But mm. 20 wins, 44 points. I mean, they, it seems like it's just another day, it's another funny. dollar for it's them. Funny you say that because we're not surprised that the Islanders are doing great things now. In the regular yeah. season, a conference finalist and a team that just smothers you on the back end, just 73 goals against. I mean, that is just – it's a great number. Um, I'm the most surprised by Pittsburgh. I, I was I was ready to do a happy dance. They were going to miss the playoffs this year. You know, Malkin, yeah, looked, Malkin looked really bad to start the season. And, uh, man, you know, they're, they're back and better. But uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk this all up, the fact that, you know, this division is top-heavy by the fact that – you, know, you guys get to play the Sabres too much. That is just unfair. <laughs> yeah. Six, hey, I mean, take six, the wins where you can get them. 21 and, and four. Six, who's 21 and it four. Get, That's the it record. It doesn't get worse for them. They got to trade Eichel at this point, right? Well, I, I do have some thoughts on this. This is probably the worst team, even worse than that Red Wings team, like I was telling you before we started, because these, these guys have talent and weren't expecting to be bad and aren't trying to, you know, play for anything, even pride, which is embarrassing. 
and one in their last ten. Uh, Taylor Ooh. Hall is, you know, what he's on that one year deal. He's gone. They they may be able to get some stuff for him, but yeah, Eichel's going to want out. And that's why they're going to trade him. And and he is very good. You feel bad for him. He still plays at a pretty high level, but I mean, they can't defend. They have no defense. They have no 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 checking line whatsoever. They don't even put up a fight mm-hmm. in a lot of these games. Um, their special teams suck. It's just it's brutal. I mean, there's no other I way guess- to say it. I guess you just look at them too, as far like from a draft standpoint, they've been missing. They've been mm-hmm. missing too. Yeah, Cousins not great. Middlestat not great. Like the guys that have been their first round picks, not been pan out for them. I guess seeing that up front, personal in the same division constantly, kind of is what gets me a little nervous about the Rangers not being able to develop the players. But I have a little bit more faith in them to do it, seeing as how. Young guys like Adam Fox, and when they brought Zibanejad over, Pushnevich been great, second round pick, yeah, top point guard on the team. But like you were talking about the Islanders before, um, I, I did not peg them as the, the best of the bunch, but I think we had them in there a little bit. But like you said, they're just a suffocating team, and they have been playing really well this year. Well, Joe, before I let you go, this has been fun. Obviously, talking hockey. Um, I need I need a couple things on NFL free agency from you, and right. uh, I guess the first thing is surprised by how these contracts have been going specifically for receivers. We just saw T.Y. Hilton take a one year deal. We've seen a lot of short term things. There's still some talent out there, so that's the first thing. Looking at the, at that market in particular, the cap went down, so you're seeing a lot of these. For the most part, they're veteran players. They've been around the league for a little while, so they're taking these prove it deals in the hope that the cap will go up so that they can sign, you know, longer extensions for more money if the cap goes up next year. I don't necessarily like the landing spots of, of a lot of these players. You're kind of just seeing all these signings and you're just like, all right, great. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the Broncos signing Kyle Fuller. That's huge. They got Darby and Fuller. They needed, they needed secondary help, and they, boom, got it right there. So you got to kind of wonder, like, what are they going to do with that first-round pick? Um, initially, I was like, maybe the Broncos will look at trying to trade for Deshaun Watson, but then you're seeing everything that's happening with him, and you're just like, for me, that's kind of overshadowed all of what's been going on in free oh, agency yeah. because you're kind of just looking at it from a perspective of, wow, really did not think he was this person. Also, is he this person? Is there something really sketchy going on? Am I bad for even thinking that when all these women are saying these things about him? If he really is this person, then he should not be in the league. So I, yeah, I, you said it perfectly. I mean, I'm not, I, everybody should be innocent until proven guilty, but this is a lot of accusations, like more than I can ever remember hearing. So uh, and I'm not going to yeah, pass judgment until we see what happened, but it doesn't sound good. I mean, we can agree on that. <laughs> yeah, it, it it doesn't look good for him. And, and that's the thing, too. W- was it partly something of Houston, uh, the front office, being like, okay, we, we knew all this stuff was out there, but... I, it, we but were- see, that, and I'm not, a, I'm not an anti-conspiracy theory guy, but... There, I mean, Houston. It has no value for them to to do to involved in in leaking stuff like this, even if they were suppressing it, because now they have no value. It doesn't that they help can get them. for them. Yeah, uh, it doesn't help them. It, it, it's crazy, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, I just brought up the receivers in specific because 
it's kind of been like the, the, the jumping off point, the tipping point for this market. I was actually happy with what the with the Browns have done getting those ex Rams players. John Johnson <laughs> yeah. and uh, Hill has been another good one too. Yeah, uh, those are sneaky. Those yeah. are sneaky, but nobody's really been like a splash. No. Splash grab yet. No, who's the I mean the best player to change teams might be Galladale or uh, I mean honestly what the Patriots have done. I mean that that is hmm they never really spend money like that. Um, it's interesting. It's a they little bit of an Van overpayment. Noy. I mean, I, I've you know they brought back Van Noy. The two tight ends, I like that. I think they grossly overpaid for Aguilar. Um, but hey, you know you want. They definitely overpaid for Aguilar. But when Belichick sees a player that he wants, and the thing is, you're looking at players from the perspective of these are their numbers. This is how they look to us. But Belichick looks at players. Like, okay, is this guy going to be able to do exactly what I need him to do? He doesn't need Aguilar to catch 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns. He needs him to fit into his scheme and do exactly what he wants him to do. That's why when he went out and he got Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, he got two of the best young tight ends in the entire league and put them on the same team, which is exactly what they had when – Obviously, previously. We're just, yeah, we're just but, naming all the high-character guys on today's show. Yeah, Gronk and yeah. Hernandez. Um, yeah, I, well, I didn't – hey, I didn't mention their names. I said those guys previously. You're the one that, that, that brought them up. But, true. I mean, when Sammy Watkins is one of the top wide receivers available on the board still, you're, you're kind of like, all right, what, is yeah, anything exactly. else crazy going to happen? <laughs> like, like Chris Carson running back, he went back to Seattle. A lot of these players are kind of – Samuel yeah, on, on Washington's pretty good. I think he can do some stuff there with uh, with Fitz Magic. Uh, I'm wondering though, who do you think the quarterback's going to be for the Patriots? Are we gonna? Are they just going to ride? Because I know you have a little bit of a vested interest in this now. Is it Cam Newton times two after the amazing movie last year? Is the sequel going to be better, or are they going to draft <laughs> someone? Or are the rumors of after Jimmy? G, are the rumors of Jimmy G maybe even floating in? Well, that's the thing. I, I, they re-signed Cam. I think. I think Belichick's going to give him another shot. I, they have a year. But that could be training camp. Like, you know how Belichick works. Like, he'll give him a shot to compete for the job. But, I mean, I, I think another but body's who, coming in. I don't know if it's a rookie or or a uh, or a trade for somebody else. But I think there's definitely not just going to be Cam and Stidham again. Who could it be? Yeah, I, I mean, if unless they get somebody in the draft or they make some crazy trade, I, I think you're looking at another year of Cam. Because, I mean, minus if he gets injured. I still injured think or they can get Mac Jones. And I think he could be the guy that, that comes into this team. I think there's enough Patriot magic to make that happen. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I I don't know. I just think Belichick needed the year to figure out what to do with Cam and how he's playing and how he was playing towards the end there when it was just kind of like, Wait, it's halftime. He's one for seven with three yards. What the hell is this? He's bouncing but, passes off the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think he needed yeah. he needed time to more time than what Patriots fans would give anybody to figure it out. And he brought in the players that he thinks are gonna help be successful with what he already has in there. So, I mean, you can't ever count out Belichick. So, if he he's you got can't. some concoction going there they've definitely spent more money this offseason than they have spent ever because they never spend money and because tom brady won the super bowl they wouldn't yeah case in point they wouldn't give tom brady more money i mean like what 
you're kind of looking at it from an outside perspective. Like, all right, you guys aren't going to give the greatest quarterback of all time more money, but you're going to sign Nelson Aguilar to <laughs> whatever <laughs> money deal. I mean, come yeah. on. He's blowing his savings because Brady won the Super Bowl and made him look bad. So, hey, more power to him. Uh, Joe, yeah. pleasure as always. Uh, oh, spring training with uh, with that just wrapping up. I wasn't even going to do this because I'm, you know, you're excited for baseball season. I'm sick yeah. and angry at our cheap owners, but you know, huh. teach their own. I mean, yeah, that Lindor deal is crushing you. I mean, <laughs> tell me about tough. it. Especially because MLB just posts highlights of Lindor at every possible chance that they get. So I had to unfollow, <laughs> I had to unfollow him. You know, I had to. I, <laughs> nothing personal if you're listening, Frankie. I still love you. It's not your fault. But I just can't stand to see you smiling. It hurts too much smiling in that it's match. Tough. It's tough, especially because you got Jose Ramirez, top-tier player in the league. But after that, <laughs> you're kind of just looking at your roster like, okay, <laughs> comparing it to – your Columbus Blue Jackets, where it's just a bunch of second liners out there, you know? Yeah, well, at least will, at least Columbus will pay Bieber, a little bit. Obviously, you got the Cy Young, you got Bieber in there. You got a great young pitcher in the bullpen in Karinchak and another great young pitcher coming up who had some good starts last year in McKenzie. So you do have some things um, on the up and up, but I'll give you a player that I think you should watch and pay attention this year who's just got sent down. Um, I thought he was going to make the team and be your starting right fielder, but um, Daniel Johnson, he came okay. over in that trade. He came over in that Jan Gomes trade. Yeah. Um, he's got a good mix of power and speed, and he's pretty much exactly what they thought Bradley Zimmer was going to be. I don't know why they keep giving Bradley Zimmer all these chances, but it's looking like you're going to have Naylor in left, Zimmer in center, and I think Bramill DH. So Johnson's, right a, Johnson's a California kid, too. I do know that. I know he's yeah, a California so kid. Um, I, I hope I'm right on that, but um just trying to give you a sneaky little play there. Uh but Okay. You think you the, guys are always you're always in the thick of it. I you mean think, I feel like you you could make a push. I don't know about like big playoff push, but playoffs are definitely a possibility. Looking at the rest of um the American League, Yankees, Tampa Bay. I know everyone's high in Toronto, but Kirby Yates out for the year. Uh, with Tommy John. George Springer's got a uh, oblique strain, uh, grade two, so that's pretty rough. I mean, they're depending a lot on their young guys, so they have a chance. Minnesota, obviously going to be good. They have Kirilov, a young prospect that's going to be coming up, and Larnack, who's another good guy. Uh, decent pitching staff. Maeda, I think, was like top ten last year. Everybody and their mother are on the White Sox, but I – it's Tony I don't know. Yeah, that's the that's the issue for me right there. He does not seem like a good mix with the young talent that they have on that team. Um, but we'll see. They got a, they got good young players, so you never know. They could they could spin it. And in the West, Oakland, Houston, Seattle. I mean, I think Houston definitely takes an even further step back this year. I hate to be a Seattle person, but. <laughs> we do I this think, all the time. You always say this is Seattle's time. They're they're looking good. The place is buzzing. I, I just want to know if we're doing this. Again. On the, young, the place is buzzing on the young prospects. Okay, but they don't have the again. pitching staff. They don't have the pitching staff. I I, I keep waiting for the Angels to make a push. Maybe this is waiting. the year. Better keep waiting. I, I feel like the West is a total toss up. I'm gonna have to take a deeper look into that one because I well 
that's a that's a brain bust. I uh, I think uh, you know you as a Yankees fan, uh, knowing knowing that you've been kind of thirsty for some success for real time, and that the the pressure's kind of on Boone at this point to you know get past that next level. I just want you guys to stop messing around with my boy Clint Frazier. He deserves better Yo. Than, old, than old Brent Gardner standing in his way for the tenth straight year. Or whatever it He's, is. I, I'm telling you, this is going to be the year of Clint Frazier. Play him. Uh, How about that? Mark, <laughs> you what? I said put him in the field. You know, let him yeah, actually play. Gonna, he's a gold glove. He won a gold glove. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's going to be the center of the lineup this year. I, right. He's got I some so. of the quickest hands I've ever seen. I like Clint. Still do. He's, he's going to be great for them this year. I, Everybody, it's really hard listening to other Yankees fans because they look at these signings that they made. They're like, oh, we got Kluber. He was a Cy Young. He's amazing. Wow. Herman is back. <laughs> we got Severino's going to be coming back. Wow. We got Tyon. I'm like, do you have any idea all the injuries that have happened to these people and how and their age? And have you looked at the Yankees' injury history over the course of forever? So, like, what – if you really expect these guys to be pitching and playing for a whole season, you're out of your mind. Also, even in uh, spring training, guys are getting hurt. Higashioka, the backup catcher, has had some problems. Frazier missed some time. Hicks is hurt every year. So, I mean, I don't think you have to worry about Frazier not getting playing time That's because good. I don't know who's going to be pushing him because I think he's going to have a, a pretty solid year. And Stanton's definitely not playing the, the field. They're not putting him out there. Well, he's DHing. in the West, it's that, you know, in the National League, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the Dodger train. I can't even dip my, dip my toe in because they're basically the Yankees West right now, a worse version of it in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to see San Atlanta, Diego be a rival. I think you need to look at Atlanta. I think Atlanta-San Diego is going to be St. The, Louis, too. Uh, St. Louis made some moves. The, the, the Colorado Rockies just, just you know, just, don't, just oh, donated a, just donated a, a gold glove perennial <laughs> MVP candidate. Yeah, that was that was here you go. Oh my goodness, the return on that was just so awful. And they paid, and the Rockies paid half of that out. I mean, it, it was gotta the hardest be part of that trade of was got to be the executives for St. Louis not laughing on the call, right? Just everybody hold their laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine, I just imagine that scene in Moneyball where oh, he's just I on was the phone of like, one second. Wall Street. <laughs> yeah oh my god that too so where he's just like yeah watch this watch yeah. this right here yeah <laughs> yeah but no I, I think it's going to be more competitive than people think obviously the Dodgers are the favorites for a lot of reasons they won last year they've gotten even better and you know but there's some good teams will will the Braves continue to make that next step I mean they've gotten a little better each year and uh the Padres too I mean I love watching them play so it should be fun uh I'm excited hey, don't, to see. don't count out the Mets don't count out the Mets either. Oh, man. Yeah. Frankie just hitting the game-winning <laughs> World Series home run. Oh, they're not winning a World Series at all. I'm okay. just saying. They well, could be a playoff good. team. That's they got good. the best pitcher in the game, aside from Garrett Cole. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to just <laughs> cut that last part out. No, uh, they've got a good team for sure. Uh, all right, Joe, this was fun. We pretty much said it all. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. We'll have to update this in a little bit and see where our predictions stay. But uh, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, call me anytime. All right, huge thanks to Joe Crisali for coming on the show. And remember, check out his website, Wayback Digital. Him and his girlfriend, Maddie, did a great job with that. Uh, and they can hook you up with some great content if you're in the market for that. But thanks again to Joe for coming on the show. 
Just wanted to say one quick thing as well. UFC 260 this weekend with Stipe and Francis for the main event heavyweight title. You know I'm a Stipe guy, Cleveland boy himself. I like Stipe to win this one. He's a slight underdog. Could be close to even money by the time you hear this. But I think Stipe, with his wrestling background and his expertise, slays the beast again. And, you know, maybe sets up that John Jones super fight at heavyweight. But uh, I'm riding with Stipe with that. And also, rest in peace to Bobby Plager. Died at 78 years old. St. Louis Blues legend. Retired number. And one of the best storytellers you'll ever hear. Threw the best hip checks uh, maybe ever in the history of the game. And was by all account, uh, by all accounts, beacon of light for St. Louis. And was the heartbeat of that team and the soul of that city. Passed away, unfortunately, uh, at 78 years old. So rest in peace to Bobby Plager, St. Louis Blues legend. That's going to do it for the Money Mitch Effect. Check us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can listen to all episodes there. Subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. And follow me at Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. I'm Mitch Michaels. We'll talk to you next week. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you, and keep enjoying sports.